And I'm Ash. Welcome to Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. Hey, potatoes. Hey, guys. Welcome back for another episode. Um, I first want to start off with we have a few followers and I really appreciate you guys coming out and telling us when we like pronounce something wrong or anything. So I was saying Jaring, Nebraska last week, and it's actually pronounced Garing. Um, so my apologies, but just wanted to shout out to my followers, our followers who corrected us. So thank you for always having our backs. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> and it will probably not be the last time we mispronounce something. So give us grace there too, though, because we're trying. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, especially like I know when we do like other countries, like stories from other countries, we are going to completely butcher some names. So so thank you for your patience. That's why I haven't yet. Yeah, that's fair. So what are you snacking on tonight, Ash? Some nerd clusters. Um, How cute. I Same. have the pink bag and she has the blue bag. <laughs> I know you guys can't see it, but it's adorable. <laughs> Oh, and I got my Diet Dr. Pepper, of course. So I just have my water again because it's well, freaking for you. 9 o'clock and I need to go to bed after this. <laughs> well, you're a good person. I'm not. I got to have my Dr. Pepper. <laughs> That's fair. So it's my turn this week. And the case I have, it's, it's a little bit of a shorter one. Definitely after the Lafferty case, it's definitely shorter than that. <laughs> Um, it is a school shooting, Grover Cleveland Elementary in 1979. So, I mean, I know you're probably going to tell me, or you are going to anyways, um, but where is like the Grover Elementary located? Oh, yes. I will state that. Um, it's in California. Okay. In the San Diego area. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll just get into it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> My sources are Murderpedia, Wikipedia, sdpolicemuseum.com, allthatsinteresting.com, the documentary I Don't Like Mondays, San Diego Union Tribune, The Crime Wire, and the Female Criminals Podcast, episode I Don't Like Mondays, part one and two. Monday, January 29th, 1979, in a suburb of San Diego, California. Kids were waiting out front of Grover Cleveland Elementary School for the principal to unlock the front gate when shots rang out. Chaos ensued, leaving two dead and nine wounded. Wait, so this is like before school even started? Yep, so they are lined up. Uh, yeah. So I'll get more into that, right, but before they before school is in session. Okay. Yeah. So right before school is in session and there was like a, just like a chain link fence. I'll see if I can find the pictures of it. I don't know if they still have it because actually the school doesn't exist anymore. Um, gotcha. But like they kept it locked. Um, 
and yeah, the principal would come unlock it every morning, letting the kids in and stuff. So the kids were get, just get waiting pretty much. Gotcha. Sorry to interrupt so early. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> fine. All right. When officers arrived on scene, they saw that the gunfire was coming from across the street. Only when an officer parked a garbage truck in front of the house, blocking the view of the elementary school, did the shooting stop. This shooting became known as America's first school shooting. (laughs) I just like, I kind of got the chills because like school shootings, like it's just like such a scary thing. Um, Yeah. But it also, I'm already like intrigued in a way, I guess, just because like, I feel like this isn't your typical school shooting that you hear about nowadays. Um, Like if this, the shooter, the perpetrator what is that what you call him perpetrator shooter yeah whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know i was like this is okay anyways um because they're not like on like the actual campus Mm -hmm. yep like i feel like normally like when you hear school shootings like they somehow get into the school like during school Mm -hmm. and yeah nope this one just surprised it started out this way also surprise um, I'll let you know about the shooter. The shooter is a 16-year-old girl. 16? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yep. I mean, especially for the time, I feel like hearing about, like, a female criminal, like, it's a little bit... Well, and, and a female mass shooter. Yes. Um, yeah. That's especially, crazy. yeah, like you said, for the time. So, all right. Brenda Ann Spencer was the youngest of three kids to Wallace and Dot Spencer. She was a very happy, active, and athletic kid who loved participating in golf, softball, soccer, and bowling. She also very much enjoyed going shooting up in the mountains with her father and was a decent shot herself. She absolutely loved animals and even had many different pets, including turtles and and a snake. She claimed to anyone who would listen that she would become a vet one day. However, despite looking like the perfect and happy family, Wallace and Dot had very opposing personalities. Wallace was shy and introverted, while Dot was busy and outgoing. By Dot's account, Wallace was allegedly having affairs, and in a later interview, Dot said, quote, He came home one day and asked if he could leave for a year. He had already rented out an apartment. I just laughed. And a few days later, I filed for divorce, end quote. The divorce was finalized in 1972, when Brenda was 10 years old. A custody battle ensued, ending when the two older kids, who were teenagers, said they wanted to live with their father. Not wanting to split the three siblings up, a judge granted custody of Brenda to Wallace as well. Dot would stay in the family home while Wallace and the kids moved into a fairly small home directly across the street from Grover Cleveland Elementary School. According to several sources, after the divorce, Wallace and the kids lived in borderline poverty. Some sources stated that uh, Brenda had to share a mattress with her father, while others stated they only shared one of the small rooms. Either way, they were barely getting by. Brenda, a once happy-go-lucky child, became withdrawn and introverted. Despite Brenda going to see her mom every chance she got, Dot herself didn't actively try nor go out of her way to see the kids. Later, according to Brenda's lawyer, he stated, quote, Dot became a stone after the divorce, end quote. 
She never tried to have a relationship with Brenda or her older siblings outside of court visits, and Brenda went downhill from there. By 1978, Brenda was referred to a facility for problem students. She was dabbling in drinking and drugs, specifically smoking marijuana or PCP. And according to that same facility, Brenda was depressed. I didn't write this down, but I just got to say this. So I watched, when I watched the documentary about this shooting, they interviewed Dot Spencer, Brenda's mom, and she's a very cold woman and very much um, blames everyone else and nothing is her fault. And I'm like, Brenda really needed her mom during this time and her mom wasn't there. And it's just sad. Anyways, like that's all I'm going to say about there because everyone has their own opinion and I don't personally know Dot. But from what I read and watched and saw, you could kind of read people a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even it doesn't matter like what she was like still being like a teenage girl and not having your mom around. I feel like that'd be really hard because you're going through like a lot of changes and like you need need your mom. (laughs) You know what I mean? All right. In the summer of 1978, Brenda was arrested for shooting out the windows and burglarizing none other than Grover Grover Cleveland Elementary School. In December of that same year, her probation officer arranged for Brenda to have a psych evaluation done. The evaluator highly recommended that Brenda Spencer be admitted to a mental hospital. However, her father didn't think it was that big of a deal and refused to give permission. And again, I'd like to stay here. We're in 1979. Mental health isn't hugely considered. And without sounding sexist, men had a harder time understanding mental health. So it doesn't surprise me that her father was like, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal. She's fine. She's just troubled. She's fine. So I don't want there to be blame on her father. Granted, the next part... (laughs) For Christmas that same year, Wallace Spencer gave his daughter a 22 rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition. So he still did, he did this after she shot the windows out in the school. Yes, with a BB gun. <laughs> no, yeah. No comment. Like, I mean, what can you say? Like, <sighs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah. And I will say this again later on. Um, Watching the interview with that they did with Wallace Spencer, her father, he is definitely an odd guy, very awkward. Like, you can just tell. So, yeah. All right. Later, when asked about this gift, Brenda said, quote, I asked for a radio and got a rifle. I think he bought me the rifle so I would kill myself. End quote. Wow. She was a very troubled person. Yeah. And I don't think that was her father's intentions at all besides the fact he gave her 500 rounds of ammunition so not to go dark but just saying yeah all right here we are january 29th 1979 that morning 16 year old brenda spencer watched from her living room as kids began to gather in front of the school waiting for the gate to open she then did the unthinkable She got out her rifle and began shooting at the kids. She started with a young boy who, according to Brenda, was wearing her favorite color, blue. 
This boy was later identified as nine-year-old Cam Miller. He was shot in the stomach and immediately fell to the ground. School principal Bert and Rag came running out thinking that firecrackers were being set off, then realizing what was actually happening. When seeing a little girl fall holding her wrist, he rushed to open the gate and protect the kids. As Principal Rag was pulling kids to safety, he was shot several times in his chest. He died on scene. At the same time, Mike Sucher, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I've heard it Suchar, Sucher, but Mike Sucher, the school custodian, ran to aid those children and Principal Rag. And as he was pulling one child to safety, Brenda Spencer shot and killed him. Along with Cam Miller, seven more children were shot, but luckily they all survived. Officer Robert Robb was one of the first to arrive on scene. He, of course, immediately ran towards the chaos and children when he was struck in the neck by a bullet. That bullet lodged next to his spine and would cause lifelong problems, but he survived. As more officers arrived on scene, they noted that the shots were coming from across the street. Commandeering a garbage truck, one officer parked the truck in front of the home, causing Brenda to cease fire. She then barricaded herself inside. Officers then turned their attention to evacuating the school and setting up a perimeter around the Spencer home. That is just like going back to like her like later saying that she shot the little boy because he was wearing her favorite color. Like that's just like so like gross and I don't know. I don't know another word for it. Like just like Arian. We will post a picture of her, like of her mugshot, and her eyes look dead. Like she just looks dead inside. And it is, it's kind of scary just looking at her. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know. I guess what I was going to say is like, I, I mean, I guess I would never be in this situation, but like you just shot up a school. And like when you go back for an interview, that's what you're thinking about is, oh yeah, I shot that little boy because. Oh yeah. It, I just can't get it past that. But A lot of things that she ends up saying later on is to be blunt, I would like to just punch her in her face for some of her comments. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing I'm going to say is, um, actually what this shooting is known for and a band even wrote a song based off of what she says here word spread quick about shots being fired which prompted news networks to try and get the story first the san diego union tribune began randomly calling phone numbers in the neighborhood when brenda answered the phone she told the reporter that she was the one who did the shooting. And when asked why, Brenda simply stated, quote, I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day, end quote. Disgust. That's all I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that then a band took that quote, I don't like Mondays, and wrote a song called I don't like Mondays, and it was actually number one for like three months. So there's that. For nearly seven hours, Brenda stayed locked up inside her home. She was in contact with police negotiators, whom she apparently told that the kids made for easy targets and even threatened to, quote, come out shooting, end quote. Finally, after going back and forth over the phone, Brenda Spencer surrendered herself over to the police. Reportedly, by several sources, she was promised a Burger King meal. 
Upon entering the home, police found several beer and other alcohol bottles all over. But Brenda herself didn't seem intoxicated at all. And when toxicology reports came back, it showed that Brenda did not have any drugs or alcohol in her system. Brenda Spencer was charged as an adult, and on April 4, 1980, just one day after turning 18, she was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison, with the possibility of parole after 25 years. In 1993, Brenda Spencer had her first parole hearing. Here, she claimed to have been a heavy user of drugs and alcohol at the time of the shooting and went as far as accusing her own attorney and the state of conspiring together against her to hide her real toxicology results. She was denied parole. But this turns into be something she does at every single parole hearing. She points fingers at everyone else. In 2001, another parole hearing was granted. This time, Brenda accused her father of sexually abusing her and beating her often. However, her claims were ignored because this was the first time she had ever mentioned or ever claimed that any form of abuse was happening. She never mentioned when they arrested her in 1979. This was the first time that she brought this up. And since there were no records in previous years of her claim, this caused the parole board to believe she was lying. She was again denied parole. In an interview after her 2001 claims, Wallace Spencer, Brenda's father, was genuinely shocked. Like, when I say genuinely shocked, like, they ask him on the spot in the middle of this interview. Or didn't ask him. They told him what Brenda said. And, the like, you just see his face instantly, like, just hurt. And it was, it was really, like, sad to watch. Like, even my husband watched it with me. And he's like, man. So, like I said earlier, Wallace Spencer really did seem like an odd guy. But I don't think those accusations are founded especially because once she was arrested he went and visited her he went to visit her every single Saturday that she she's been in prison and even after finding out that she accused him of this these forms of abuse he still went to visit her every single week because he stated she's still my daughter and I love her so it just, it's, ugh. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, it just kind of makes me upset. Okay. And then Brenda's mother, who is another story, was also interviewed. And when they asked her about it, she claimed that she knew about it the whole time. But when they asked why she didn't fight for custody to get Brenda out of there, she simply and unemotionally said she had no money to do so. So there's nothing she could really do about it. I mean, I can't speak for every parent, but... As a parent, I 1,000% would do anything I possibly could to get my own child out of that situation if I knew they were in a situation like that. So that just comes off as like kind of grimy to me. Like I think yeah. most parents... Well, not to mention, guess what? Brenda Spencer only had one visitor every week and it was her father. Dot never went to see her daughter 
would occasionally talk with her over the phone, but she didn't go out of her way even when she was in prison to go see her. And then when I mentioned earlier, she never went out of her way to go see her outside of her court visits. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I could go off here. And again, it's more of my opinion and my thoughts and after after watching the interview with her um so i'll i'll stop there but i will say if you want to see where i'm coming from with my anger towards her definitely go watch the documentary and that interview with dot but yeah so in 2005 brenda was again denied parole after it came to light that after a jailhouse romance went south for her, she gave herself a prison tattoo on her chest. She carved into her own chest and claimed it read, quote, unforgiven and alone, end quote. Yeah, so she's, yeah. <laughs> you can't see Ashton, guys, but she is just shaking her head. Yeah, just like, mm. <laughs> okay right (laughs) right and again watching so this uh oh my gosh i can't remember which people did the the video of the interview and everything but they actually were granted access to film her parole hearings in 2001 and again in 2005 and like just seeing brenda and her reactions and her lack of tears yeah i would deny her parole too because it's everyone else's fault she had another parole hearing in 2009 and again was denied this time the parole board ruled she had to wait 10 more years before applying again brenda spencer's most recent parole hearing happened in august of 2022 she was denied again being told that she was unstable and unfit for parole Her next opportunity will be in 2025. As of now, she continues to reside at the California Institution for Women in Chino, California. And um, I just want to say that this case makes me angry in so many ways, as I noted (laughs) throughout, especially when she at all of her parole hearings and she's saying, well, it's not my fault. My attorney did this. They're conspiring against me. Oh, it's not my fault. My father hurt me. Oh, it's not my fault. I had a terrible breakup in prison. Like, my gosh, woman. But anyways. Yeah, it's definitely like the lack of remorse is what gets me. Like, I mean, yeah. And that's what brings me to say I am so grateful and so thankful that no child died. Oh, yeah. And I am so thankful for the heroism, heroism, however you want to say that. That's a hard word for me. Heroism and sacrifice made by Principal Burton Rag and Mike Suchar and the San Diego police officers. My heart goes out to the families of the men lost. For their heroic response to the shooting and for the quick action of stopping it, officers Robert Robb, Sharon Amos Newberry, and Theodore Kasanak were awarded San Diego PD's highest award for heroism, the Medal for Valor. Whew. So, yeah, that's the the case of what has become known as the I don't like Mondays shooting. So, and the first school shooting. Yeah, the first I guess at least the said? first known 
school shooting yeah in america so that's just like it's so surprising to me that like the first school shooting was a 16 year old girl like i just like maybe i could wrap my head around it a little bit more if it was like oh she went to school and did it you know but like yeah no she, she just, just sat an opportunity her... from her house yeah i don't know like she didn't go to school because she like never went to school she was a really troubled kid and she obviously had some mental issues that weren't being handled but when you take an account for the time period and a lot of times when it without being sexist again but a lot of times when women were struggling or girls were struggling they just took it as oh it's women being women and they just need to chill to see it from like that point of view in that time period but it's still like she she needed help and she didn't get it and then she made the decision to hurt people yeah and she deserves to stay in prison oh yeah so yeah all right well thanks for listening potatoes don't forget to follow us on instagram at crime potatoes um, there we will post like all our case pictures, so make sure you go check it out. Uh, yeah, and I guess we will see you next week for a new episode. Yes, be safe, potatoes. Bye.